Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. So I want to thank everybody that's tuning in, everybody that's been watching. If you're a first-timer, thank you. Appreciate all the love, support, for sharing, for subscribing. Um, I hope I hope the new year has been treating everybody well. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of people had a rough uh, new year, but, you know, everybody's starting out fresh. We got a fresh start, you know, set a new pace. You know, I know a lot of people got, got a lot of new goals and resolutions, so I hope that you guys are doing well with that and, and that you continue on and be successful with that. Um, you know, today we got a, we got a good guest in here, you know, a co-worker, a friend, you know what I'm saying? And definitely, a, a, you know, a strong woman, community activist. And, uh, you know, her name is Liliana Torres. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for such such a warm introduction. It feels really good to be here. It no doubt really about it. It's great here. to Happy have you. Happy New Year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Happy New Year. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So, Lily, uh, you know, I wanted you here because, you know, I'm always inspired by what you do, how you do it, the way you live your life, things like that. And I just thought you would be a great, great guest, you know what I'm saying, an asset, you know, to the show. So, you know, tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, well, my name is uh, Liliana Torres. Uh, I was born Detroit, uh, Michigan. My mother, um, she was from Kentucky. Her father was Irish, Uh, her mother was Cherokee Indian, and my father is from a little town called Acambaro in uh, Guanajuato, from Mexico, Um, and they met, uh, they met in like the most romantic way possible, I think. So mm-hmm. my dad, so check it. So my dad is a mariachi. Um, oh, what? Yes, what? yes, yes. All of it, all of it. I love so it. I grew up. Um, I'm actually sitting. I don't know if it's in the camera view, but I'm sitting next to Chente. So I'm sitting next to like a mariachi. It's like it was like meant to be, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yes. So I definitely grew up listening to. Um, Jose Alfredo Jimenez, like some old school mariachi Mexican, you know, like <laughs> like type of music. <laughs> de corazón, um, de puro corazón, del puro corazón, sure. yes. Um, and um, you how know, was it like growing up with a father that's a mariachi? Like, so I'm assuming you grew up around music. I mean, yes. did, did he sing to you as a child, yes. or you know, in the shower? Like, I'm, I'm assuming you heard him sing often. And yes, so okay, so it's kind of a crazy story. So my parents met. They met actually locally um, at, a, at, a, at a Mexican restaurant. My dad was a mariachi, and my mom was a waitress, and like they fell hey, in love and they met. That's and like, like chips and dip, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Café con leche. So perfect combination. Here I am today. Um, but I did. I was born in a very blended family. So my father was married before he met my mother. My mother had a son before she met my dad. Uh, so right off the bat, I grew. I like was born into like a huge family. You know what I mean? So okay. it was like super blended it was um you know my dad's first wife like I consider her a mother to me too um and I just grew up around a lot of love and I feel really lucky for that um you know back in them days when our parents were growing up like their parents like they were used to having 10 15 kids you know what I'm saying like I hear like outrageous numbers 
and kids like they had no problem reproducing back in the days you know and then they talk about how hard life was and how it struggled like in the 30s and 40s and i'm not saying you didn't but you know what i'm saying like y'all was popping babies, babies creating your own little armies you know well you know they didn't have cable tv back then and they didn't have like movies and shit you know mm-hmm. so like the entertainment wasn't like what it is today so people aren't having you know as many kids and it's like expensive to like have i don't have it i have um i actually did bring my son here he's a furry little friend um he he's covered in hair and he's that, a that, furby huh he's a he's my fur baby um but I, you know i don't i don't have any kids so i know that having a lot of kids is, but yeah so um what was i saying what were we ta- oh my family so my family was super blended they had a lot of kids you know my dad had five kids um, and I just grew up with a lot of love. Um, Doing being a mariachi and yeah, stuff like, yep. you know, I know probably women was throwing themselves at him. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and yes. So, oh, so okay, they be having a lot what, of babies. They travelers. Yes, this is what I was on. So when my so I was born, and then about a year after I was born, my dad was nominated for a Grammy, which is like crazy it's like for sure yes. you get nominated from a grammy yes you know being a mariachi yes so right off the deal. bat like you know my my first formative years um i stayed with this lady her name was senora ofelia she was really like my nana she helped my mom a lot my mom was kind of a single mother in my first few years my dad was in california like pursuing his career that's what he loved and he came back by the time i was like four or five and he was really like a big part of my life so by the time he came back um, about the time I was like six or seven, he wanted me to play the violin. So I used to play the violin with him. Um, you know, my other brothers and sisters played other instruments. Was have, he was he like the movie Selena when the dad kinda, would have them all playing the drums, kinda, guitars, and everything? Yeah, like, a little bit. Like, no, yeah. mama, tienes que tocar el violin. Like, and I'd be like, come on, I want to play. And um, but I'm so glad. Like, I look back and I kind of wish like he he like pushed me more to do it you know I, mm-hmm. I, I I let that go when I was around in high school because I was just like too cool to what to about play even singing like do you know like what were like one of his favorite songs or your favorite songs that you love to hear your father sing <sighs> well my father used to compose a lot of his own music that's um, dope that's that's yeah sweet. so and he was actually nominated for a Grammy on a, on a song that he composed um regarding the earthquake that had happened in Mexico City about 30, 35 years, 34 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was one, like another recently, um, maybe about four or five years ago in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So he wrote a song about that. Um, and that's what he got nominated for? And that's what for? he got nominated for, but I'm trying to think of like a favorite song. And honestly, mm-hmm. like I would say, like my father and I bonded over Selena, like totally all the oh, mariachi yeah. songs tu solo tu like all of tu those que creías. yes, yes all of those way. like we sing those um and like some old school like uh just uh, jose alfredo Jimenez, like you know, antonio aguilar yes, just autumn classic yes yeah. yes so you know um it was cool it was really cool it was a great i had a great childhood like i i can't complain of I was always surrounded by love. I was always surrounded by like 
family. Um, but you said, so your, your your mother and your father didn't work out. They ended so, up splitting. So, yep, they up. ended up splitting. Um, when my, when, by the time my dad came back, my mom was like, yo, like, I'm past this. Mm -hmm. She was actually working full-time and uh, going to school to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. So education was always something that, like, my mom, um, you know, really, really pushed me for. And that was something that I always really, truly valued. And my dad, too, in a sense, because all of his sisters were teachers. So I was going to ask, like, do you, is, is education, like, in your in your family, like... Are, are they accomplished? Are they educated? Like, you know, what is it that, you know, that, you know, I know they tried to um, encourage you to pursue education. And I, you know, I think it's great that they valued education as well. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes like families come from a long line of firefighters, officers, lawyers, doctors, things like that. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I was actually thinking about it really last night when I was thinking about like, how like my mom really influenced me to like pursue education mm. but um my dad really like supported my mom in pushing me with my education so mm -hmm. you know like I had like the music aspect on my father's side on my mother's side like my mom always like had high standards for me when it came to school she was always really involved she was always like you know you gotta read like that was probably one of the big I, I think music and like my culture and like learning the language really came from my father like learning like having that gift really came from him but from my mother i think it was um just because you said your mother's white right yes, and yep. your father's mexican from mexico yep. and and you talked about how she encouraged you to learn spanish and wanted you to you know learn your language yes. and, and be familiar with yes. your culture and stuff yeah, like that yeah my which mom is really, great that's really yeah. good yeah, so what's really interesting is that even though my mom, she never, like, spoke any Spanish whatsoever, she really, really pushed me to learn Spanish. And so when my dad came back from California, they really just co-parented. And, um, you know, there was, like, an agreement. Like, I would just go with my dad on the weekends. And when I was with dad, like, puro espanol. Like, that's it. Like, I only, and my dad was only, like, to speak to me in Spanish. So... Um, you know, of course, like, it was, like, mixed with a little bit of Spanglish here and there, but, like, mm -hmm. my mom, she really pushed me, like, in terms of, like, going further in, like, using my head and using my brain and in thinking and in education and being a critical thinker and, and, and reading and traveling and, like, pushing me to, like, more limits in that way, which, which, which is contrary to, like, what like my father's culture would have done you know and and i'm aware of that so mm -hmm. um did did those did those same things get get um introduced to like your siblings as well like were they um encouraging them to do that because you're, you're you're towards you're one of the youngest right yeah, yeah so i just think like sometimes like a lot of a lot of parents realize the things that they should have done or done wrong with the older siblings and then things are different for the younger siblings you know what i'm saying where they know better now and they got different goals and aims and a different vision that they want to see their kids be successful in yeah yeah and i think you can be a different mom to different kids or a different dad to different kids you know just because you're a different person through time you know like what what do you expect but um so i definitely i think my i think my dad um you know, kind of did push for education. You know, I, I can't really speak on, like, what, like, my father's 
first wife like expected of her kids or wanted for her kids you know I knew she loved them and I knew she was the best mom to them and 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 um you also said you said Senora Ofelia she was one of the women that took care of you yes right? yes okay, I know Al- you spoke very highly of her you know um oh she put the shoe cam on for oh, you. Oh, my shoe cam. Yeah, the, well, the pantufla. Got the blue suede shoes, yeah. huh? Yes. Got the true blues. Hey. <laughs> um. Yeah, so for for the future guests, man, make sure you come in with your sneakers tight, man. We're going to start doing shoe cams up in here, man. Make Pant- sure your sneakers are right. It's the pantufla panorama, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we have to rename it, you know. we it's It's more than just a shoe cam. Like, you got to... <laughs> Come with the swag. I know you try to I rip really, the runway down here. Hey, yeah. I do what I can. This is my baby. This look is, at Oscar. Look, um, he's a little. He's he's excited. He's excited to be here. He's excited to share in my story. This is Oscar, everybody. And 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 that's he, he got a story too. He's traveled many miles to get here. Yeah, he's a well-traveled dog. Yeah, he's uh. He's from Madrid. He's from Spain. Yup. Yeah. Yup. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's got his, his European Union passport and everything. Dang, for real. Yeah. He's certified, yeah, he's man. Yeah, and everything. That boy got his papers. Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> <laughs> he sure does. Yeah, Man, he's doing boy. better than some humans yeah. out here. He's my baby. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, like, where did you go to school at and stuff? Like, while you were growing up, living in Detroit? So, yeah. So, okay. So, um... Where do we leave the story off? Just, I don't want to... We're talking about Senora Ofelia. Okay, so Senora Ofelia was really, like, a big support to my mom in, like, my formative years while my dad was away in California, you mm-hmm. know? He came back. She's, you know, she was still around or whatever. But, like, once my dad kind of stepped back into the picture, I was kind of in between the two of them. Mom on the weekdays, dad on the weekends. You know, my mom had, um, my mom had actually remarried. Um, and she graduated college. She was a nurse. She remarried to a Lebanese man. So my stepfather is actually Lebanese. And I actually have two younger Lebanese sisters. Um, so, and, and they're amazing. And That's I, crazy. Like, yeah. um, you know, growing up with a complete different culture. Yeah. Like, um, becoming familiar with new foods, new languages, new traditions, stuff like that. Like, I, I assume that had to be pretty interesting for you. And then teaching them things, you know, about, you know, Mexican culture. And then your mother being white. So, you know, American culture, stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's know, the diversity, it is, you know. It is, it is. It was such a, uh, I really had, like, I grew up on the best food. Like, I grew up on, like, shawarmas and tacos and, uh, it, you know, um, you know, I had, you know, when I when I came home after doing all that time, you know, I I wasn't as open minded when I was younger. So when I came home, I'm like, man, people were introducing me to all these foods. My daughter had introduced me to sushi. My cousins were taking me out here, there, everywhere. Korean food. They were taking me to Midtown. My cousin J Five. Like I was just trying all these foods because like I never put any obstacles or no more barriers in front of me. Like I'm very open minded. I want to try things. You either like it or you don't. Yep. You know what I mean? But it's really interesting to be open minded and try different foods and stuff like that, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, and like the exposure to different cultures, Mediterranean food, yeah, yeah, um, and just having that exposure to different cultures it really expands you, like to who you, uh, you know, to to understanding people in, in a different way, and and 
and and recognizing too that really we're more alike than we think we're different like absolutely we really are we got more common ground than not yes yes sometimes you'll realize that you got more in common as far as belief system like everybody's striving for the same thing everybody's just headed in a different direction or getting it in a different manner yeah you know oh absolutely absolutely yeah I definitely want to send a big shout out to my man Jose Rivera at Detroit Forever. Uh, big shout out to my brother at LA Landscaping, my sponsors, my brothers. I love you. I love my family, brother. My my brother Bart. You know what I'm saying? Everybody doing their thing, man. My family's so blessed. Um, so we were talking with 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 Liliana before we went to the break, and we were going to talk about her education, where she went to school at, you know, and uh, you know, and all that good stuff. And she's got a, a good story. She's been on a journey. You know, so go ahead and let them have it, Lily. Um, so school, uh, elementary school, I went to uh, Academy of America. Uh, I went there for a little bit. And then around middle school, my mom and my stepfather, so um, my mom and my stepfather moved to Dearborn. And I ended up living and moving in Dearborn with them. So I graduated from Dearborn High. Um... And went to Michigan State. Go green. Go green. Okay, so you graduated from Dearborn, right? Yep. Okay, so I went to, to yep. Went what made you pick Michigan State? Uh, honestly, they had the best financial aid package, which that's a whole other conversation that we can have, a lot of y'all talking about. <laughs> if you try to pick a calling, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so um, I. Uh, I just ended up going there. Did you um, have any family and friends that went to MSU? No, no, no okay. uh, nobody. I just, I just kind of went. My mom was just like, "You need to figure it out. Like, you need to go to school." That was never not an option to my mom. And mm-hmm. my dad, at that point, just you know, knew that my mom kind of spearheaded like my education. So he was just like, "No, tienes que hacer caso a tu mamá. You know, you gotta whatever your mom's saying. You're lucky that you have a mom like this. You know, if I had a mom like that, I would have been a lawyer." And so, um, how, how how were you in school? Like, what kind of student? I was were, a decent what was student. Was social life? Yeah, like? I was a decent student. I was cool with everybody. I wasn't really part of a group. I really didn't, you know, like. Um, you were a drifter. I, I suppose, you know, I wanted to be cool with everybody. Shit, yeah, I went to high school understand. during Columbine. Like, I was not about to, you know, so, like, I was just trying to be cool. Um, but, no, you know, I swam. I ran track. Um, oh, that's sweet. Yep. I um, I was in theater as well. Um, so, I, I had, you know, a few different extracurricular activities that I uh, that I engaged in that I enjoyed a was lot. Was there family and friends that, like, encouraged you to sign up for these things? Or these were just things that you personally were interested in and pursued? Um, it was just something that I think I was interested in. And I just knew that I had the support of my family um, and mm-hmm. just kind of went for it. Um, especially, you know, my dad was pretty proud, like... My senior year, I was, like, the lead in the school play, like, the female lead in, like, the fall school oh, play. Oh, that's sweet. And my dad was pretty proud, and he, he thought that was cool, and I was mm. really oh, glad. Oh, absolutely. He, that's know, a, to, that's an accomplishment. Yeah, sure. that, it, it was pretty cool. So, um, so I pretty much, like, I, when I was younger, I went to school in Detroit, um, ended up moving to Dearborn, graduated from, from Dearborn High School, went to Michigan State, graduated Michigan State. What was your major in? So, that's a whole nother story. Um, 
When I graduated high school, I was thinking I wanted to go into like fashion. I wanted to, I sewed clothes at the time. That was another extracurricular that I loved to do. Mm -hmm. I really um, enjoyed like designing and, um, you know, couture. Just, I just thought fashion was so intriguing. But like, honestly, um, you know, I was, I was 17 and I thought like, oh my gosh, you know, like, I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, I'm not <laughs> sure. Like, oh my gosh. There's yeah, so I mean, the world, is, the world is yours. Right. You do what you want to do. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I, I think I just felt like going somewhere in state, um, was a safer choice. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought, you know what, instead of studying fashion I was gonna study business and I was gonna do and I was gonna go into business and that was gonna be like what I wanted to like mm -hmm. go into I think I did like a year and was like I'm I can't do business like I hate this, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so um I uh I ended up going and changing my degree into like international relations and I really liked political science and politics and mm -hmm. policy and um, mm -hmm. just that that kind of always intrigued me and I and I thought you know what I, I could definitely see myself going into law mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I that's what I ended up doing so I I majored in um, international relations I minored in Latin American and Caribbean studies, Dang. and then I, I I also double majored in in Spanish language, and I it's and it's solely because I wanted like formal education in Spanish. You know, like I grew up speaking Spanish, but I wanted to be able to know like when to put an accent, when not. You know, kind mm, of like I wanted yeah. it to be formal. So, um, and I learned a lot. And actually, while I was at Michigan State, I had the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, actually, let me back up. I had the opportunity to be a lifetime, like when I was in high school. I was in Spanish club because my mom was like, you need to, you know, join an academic club because mm -hmm. I was either like in sports or in drama or something. Mm -hmm. So I did Spanish club and Spanish club, um, Dearborn High, they like offered um, programs for students if they wanted to go to Spain. And my mom was like you should do it you should sign up and I had gone to Mexico with my father in the past and I thought like okay and I figured it would be kind of something similar um that was my first trip actually like overseas um was in that high school Spanish club trip mm -hmm. and that really like set like that was the biggest one of the biggest eye-openers for me mainly because in my broken Spanish while I was there I, I honestly didn't even want to go on this trip my mom force me like it sounds like a horrible problem but like my mom like to go was to like, Spain yeah right? it was like Europe. you're going to Spain you know and uh so I went I was like oh, there's gonna be a bunch of losers like men and no one's <laughs> like honestly and I was always the girl that would be like Lily can you order more bread for the table and I'd be like Mas pan, por favor. yeah I just it was you know like I was the only one who spoke Spanish so anyways during this time of my life I was in my teens I was very rebellious and I did what most teenagers would do after the teachers came by to check if we were all in our beds, I snuck out and like I would, I you was running the town every time of your life. I was running the street. Yes, I was. I was having the time of you my life. Went through life. a bullfight and everything yes. out there, did you? God dang. <laughs> yes, yes. I. It was amazing. And in my broken, you know, the Spanish that I spoke at the time, I knew. Like I was shocked at like the way like. 
the Spanish was so different. It, it was just all so different. Like, what it was is the city like? Like, you look at it, like, so much of it looks so, so like, cathedral buildings. And, it is. And, you know, it, it looks is. like an so old, old, old yeah. town, it's old exactly city. Exactly. Yeah, it's totally that. It's totally mm. that. Um, you know, in, this, in the old city center What parts. about the country was inspiring to you? Like, what was so different about how they I live over there? I don't know. You know, I had gone to, I had gone to Mexico previously before I had ever gone to Spain. And I lived in the United States, and for me, like Mex, like the merge of like Mexico and the United States, like I, it was like Spain to me. It was like mm-hmm. first world meets like third world. There's there's like something light about the life, but there, but like there's still internet connection. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. So so through your school, you were able to make two trips to Spain, yes. and then eventually on your own, you ended up moving to Spain for what yes. like five years. Yes. Okay, yep. that's cool. What was, like, what was it like living out there? And uh, you worked as well, too, right? You had a job as a teacher? Yeah, okay. so um, when I had my internship, I made some connections. I graduated college. Um, I had a couple of jobs. You know, I was I, I stuck around for a couple of years after I graduated college. Oh, in Lansing, college. right? You said you had yep. a job. Yeah, I had a really interesting job in Lansing where I learned a lot about gardening. Um, and then I ended up just... Uh, it was, it, I felt like I was in this rat race and I just thought, you know what, like, I, I, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. And That's um, a big decision because you're talking about moving to a whole, whole other country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, I just felt like I knew the language well enough. I had traveled there enough. I, I mean, like, I was going to pay for my way to go anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, and I had met the documentation. And, and my mom always, like, told me, like, just... Whatever you do, I want you to be happy, I want you to be safe, and I want you to be doing something like, you know, honorable and, and, and good. So I, and I thought, you know, like, I, now is when, now is when, and I think we were talking, and I, and, and I had mentioned to you that people regret the things that they don't do rather than the, the things, things that they, they do. And I just knew to myself that, like, if I don't, you know, now is when I'm young, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't have any like serious commitments. My family's healthy, everything's mm-hmm. good. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go. Um, so I found a place. I found a. Um, an is it academy. expensive out there? Um, it's expensive to get out there. The mm-hmm. the city of Madrid is a little bit expensive. Barcelona's expensive. Like the bigger cities are more expensive, I think. Mm-hmm. But you know, like the pueblitos are are a little bit, you know, they're cheaper. There's a, you know, Spain does have a lower standard of living compared to the rest of Europe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you go to Rome, if you go to France, it's a lot more expensive. It's um, just, man, that's got to be so dope to just see the world through different eyes. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And see how much more life in the world has to yeah. offer. Yeah, you know? it, it's it's a different concept of time over there, too, mm-hmm. I think. Um, were people friendly over there, or were they standoffish, or they judgmental? Um, it was a little bit of everything, definitely. Definitely mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. Um, so I will take a moment to recognize, like, my privilege of, like, my skin color there. Like, I wasn't discriminated against at all, and the Spanish are notorious um, for stopping people just for the color of their skin and I and I saw it with my own eyes like then you know I don't know if it's any different now I think it I think it has actually it it got better while I was living there you got racism it well while while I was living there it got better I definitely noticed that Mm -hmm. um but 
you know, also Spain became a very metropolic-like, or, well, Madrid, I should say, because that's where I moved. Uh, it became, like, very um, metropolitan very fast. It wasn't over time. Um, and, it, and it became that way when Spain really joined the European Union, I think, too. So um, I think it was an adjustment definitely for Spanish people as well as mm -hmm. it was for um, other people from outside. But when I was there, um, I taught. I so what did a little you teach? Bit, I taught English. I taught English. That's sweet. You yep. went to another country to teach, teach English. English. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it was great because, you know, you're as a native speaker and I taught American English, which was also like uh, something special in and of itself. You know, mm -hmm. there was always like this invisible like competition between British English or American mm -hmm. English. And um, and I really made a life for myself out there um, through the people that I had met from like my previous you know, trip, like from that, like, exchange trip that I did at university. So um, if any kids are listening out there and you're in university, honestly, it really doesn't matter what you major in. But if you get a chance to travel and get an internship, even if it's not what you study, just do it because travel changes you and it will change your life and it opens opportunities. And that's honestly how I was able to go to Spain. So how me and Lily know each other is we're co-workers. We work at the Detroit Hispanic Development Corporation. Uh, we both work at the youth department. What's up, though, youth department? Hey, you know? youth department. But, you know, we take care of our business, man. We're community servants. You know what I'm saying? We help people, you know, in the community when we can, when the resources are available. We give them information. Um... Uh, Lily, she teaches English as a second language in there. She works with, and for not a woman that doesn't have kids, um, she works with the youngest kids, nine years and under, and she does a really great job of working with them. I also um, work, I, I run healing circles, I run curriculum and teach them whole noble curriculum to the kids. I love working with the youth. We work with age bracket between 14 to 18 and then 18 to 24. Um, we got a meditation room there, yeah. and uh, you know, the, to me, I just I was so blown away how they teach the kids about spiritual empowerment, you know, and and, and awareness, and we teach them about the medicines. And I was just, you know, I was really inspired to hear you have that knowledge about, you know, sage and and sweet grass, and you know, all, and and all the medicines that we use to cleanse and stuff like that. Because these are things that I learned while I was in prison. I used to um do go to the Native American circles, and they started teaching me about, you know medicines and the directions and things like that and and i just was really drawn to it due to the fact of the history of our people and where they come from you know what i mean but like the dhdc man is such a good place like it's a home to many you know and to our community and we do great work there and uh you know i look forward to continuously um you know being a servant to my people yeah yeah absolutely yeah no it's uh uh, so I, I was I I kind of fell into DHDC like it was really amazing how how like I really fell into DHDC and I really found a family there and they're really like my second family I would say um, just everybody that works there the the programs that we run the people that we serve um, you know I I enjoy working with the kids I enjoy like the activities that we do. Uh, 
it's a great place to work honestly mm -hmm. it really really is um and it's crazy because like once the pandemic hit it was like we didn't realize what we were going to do how we were going to do it but we all came together as creative minds yeah. and just started writing up curriculum coming yeah. up with programs yeah. and activities and utilizing all the grant money that we were getting and distributing it you know to families to youth to people in need and and it was like you know we made our way we made our way with what we had and we've been making a major impact yeah yeah i mean well so like i think the just the work that they've been doing has been impacting the community you know for years and just the way that we've been able to outreach now given that there's a pandemic you know we're really doing divine work we, mm -hmm. I, I really feel like we're doing divine work we're 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 we're, we're healing I think in each individual that crosses our path in one way or another and and I feel like I I try and give healing to to the kids there and also empowerment through knowledge through english language for our, for our community members there. and you do a good job of it because i you. see a little, little little rascals up in there i'll say something falling asleep from the meditation yeah. right yeah like, i'm like damn they look so quiet and relaxed that's dope the box breathing man. and you do it without melatonin everybody no. everybody all them parents out there giving their kids melatonin Just i know about you the power of breathing <laughs> the power of breathing that's really where your power is at. so you talked a lot about gardening and stuff like you know and how how it impacted your life and how you became aware of medicines and stuff like that yeah so um the 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 few years before i decided to move to spain um i worked at this nonprofit that where we did a lot of gardening they had um in lansing in lansing yep mm -hmm. in lansing they had a greenhouse um we had bread basket programs we had a farmer's market program i was um volunteer coordinator I, I canvassed i mean we i did all kinds of crazy stuff there um it was a crazy job but i had the luxury while i was there to take um a master composting class um a couple of different uh gardening classes i learned a lot about gardening um shit i don't know how you ain't got your own uh weed uh, uh dispensary <laughs> or something going you know with all the knowledge you got i definitely have an herb garden um and i have plants and yeah, um, get your herb garden. Yep, yep. <laughs> I got. I do have um, lemongrass. I have all kinds of herbs, and um, you know, there's there's a power in plants. And I learned at that job, really truly, um, that growing your own food more than anything is like more powerful than printing your own money. Wow. Changed my mind. Changed my wow. mind on that for real. Yeah, I really truly believe that. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, I always crack on you because you're always, <laughs> uh, you know, drinking your leaf shakes and your grass and your <laughs> grass sandwiches. Smoothies. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, man, get out of here. I know you ain't eating all that grass and leaves and your stuff. Your food is you your know? medicine. Your food is your medicine. It truly is, you know. And if you really understand how our food system has been weaponized and used against us, um, you you would be afraid, you know. You think um, it's been used against me or what? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you got some cushion, you got some loving, but you know, as long as you, I think health is is a is a is a three pillar thing though. It's not just what you eat, you know. It's also your lifestyle, and most importantly too, I I truly believe it's um it's what you think, you know. It's the thoughts you think about yourself and and your outlook on life because the stress is a silent killer. 
Stress is a silent killer. Mm-hmm. And some people and, are so stressed out and don't even realize it yeah. because they're so busy being productive and just, you know, moving on to the next thing. And then next thing you know, three years later, five years later, everything catch up with you and, and just shut you all the way down, you know? So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's really important for people to be able to heal, man, heal from their wounds, their trauma, be oh, able yeah. to have somebody to talk and turn to, man, because you don't want to take the baggage from that you have from 2020 and bring it into 2021, man. Because I tell you what, man, uh, it don't take too long. You could wake up, man, and the whole world could take a right turn on you from one phone call, you know. So, um, you know, people are quick to put baggage on your porch. So, right. you know, you got to be able to manage your responsibilities, manage the people that you let into your life and what they bring into your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Well said. Yeah. Shout out to my man Lex. You know what I'm saying? Looking forward to you. My man Juan Juan, he just put that hit out at Boy Hot, you know. Definitely got to send all my shout outs, you hear me? You know, also, also, you know, I grew up with her brother, Angel Torres, you know. And um, so for those who know who DJ Angel is, you know, what's up What's up to you, brother? You know what I'm saying? Glad to see you out there doing your thing. Um, but, you know, look, got sis here waiting on Kiko to come through, too, you know. Yep, yep. Get you over here, too, man. Tell your story. Boy, you've been yeah, on a journey. Yeah, he's got a crazy story, too, yep. Yeah, but um, so... So, w when you were in Spain for five years, like, what is it that brought you back here? So, uh, my mom. My mom, she got sick. Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. And um, I did, like, this year back and forth kind of thing. And I stayed for a little bit here. Then I'd go back. You what know, kind of cancer? Uh, so, she smoked cigarettes. She smoked cigarettes, y'all. Um, and she got lung cancer. And it was bad. Um, it was scary, you know, when when someone in your life is diagnosed with cancer, you feel so, like, exposed, like, so afraid, like, so uncertain. It's like a scary, like, what do I do? Like, this helpless, what do I do? It's, you know, it's... It's so strange, and especially, you know, as an adult to have that feeling, that scary feeling, you know, that's, that helpless, scary feeling. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people feel that, unfortunately, because too many people are, are diagnosed, you know, with cancer. And, and she and was it, going through chemo and, and stuff scary, like that, right? Yeah, what she, was that process like for you? Um, it was hard. It was really hard, um, you know, the, the chemo and the radiation, you know, the, the hair loss, the weakness, all of it, you know, I was, I was there, I, you know, I witnessed all of that. It, I, it's horrible. Um, you, of course, wouldn't want to wish that on, on anybody. Um, it's, it's, um, it's hard to see somebody go through something like that, somebody that you love and, and that feeling of, like, you can't do anything about it. So, mm. um you know, and, and I and I and I learned a lot um, through that process. I think I learned a lot of like my my own belief system on where health comes from, too. You know, because it ended up being that you know she was diagnosed with cancer. She had cancer for a while. Um, is this something hereditary? Is it something that runs in your family? Definitely. Um, I definitely believe that it's hereditary, which, you know... Uh, do you think smoking cigarettes could trigger it? Yes. Or do you think that whether yes. she smoked or not, it, she would have gotten cancer? 
Okay. I believe, yep. So we all we all have that genetic makeup. We all have mm. that. And it's just kind of based on what I was kind of mentioning that, like, your thoughts, your lifestyle, your, you know, the healing, whatever. It's just <clears throat> kind of all based on to whether it's going to trigger that knot in your, in your in your DNA, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but this is just my own personal belief. This mm-hmm. is what I, what I think. Um, and, and I think that she was stressed out. I think that she, um, had high anxiety. I think she, you know, smoked a lot of cigarettes and, um, you know, I, and I think she happened to be, a. a she was a wonderful, wonderful person, but I, I felt like she worried a lot sometimes and, and, she, and, and the worry from the stress also, too, you know, and, and I think that all plays in together. And yeah, it's a lot of wear and tear on the mind, on the spirit, on, on the, the body. body. Yeah. You know, you're suffering. You're going right. through so much pain. It's like you just don't want to feel pain anymore, you true, know? True, true. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, that also, like, Did that's Kimo a double Did help her, though? Did it help her? You know, she was okay for a while. She, I wouldn't say she was, she was in remission, but they couldn't detect the disease, is, like, what the doctors would say when they would go in and do the tests, whatever. Um, but where, like, the tumor was on her left lung, it was near her heart, and her heart was AFib, meaning her the, the beat of her heart was a little bit irregular. So, um... So eventually, like after the treatment and her hair started growing back, her sp- sound drunk, mom. Like mm-hmm. you know, like we we would talk and we would just kind of laugh about it. But eventually, it would just get worse and worse and worse to almost to the point like we were like, okay, well, what is this? You know, and we were looking and doing tests and screening to see if she had cancer and. Um, you know, it all came back negative, and um, finally, her speech was so bad that we like begged her to go see a speech pathologist. And the speech pathologist was all, the one who was like, "You should get your spinal fluid checked because uh, it sounds like you have Lou Gehrig's disease, just because of the way the symptoms that she was having." And uh, sure enough, she had Lou Gehrig's, and that's actually what ended up taking her life. So. Man. That was that was hard because you, you know we we dealt with cancer and then like Lou Gehrig's was like just a, a just the <clears> decline <throat> of the body and her her mind was there and that was really the most heartbreaking thing and the mm-hmm. way we had to communicate was through you know little boards and um, you know it it was it was like a really like mourning period of of my life. You know. Well, I'll tell you what, man. She definitely lives through you. You know what oh, I'm saying? thank you. You are thank a representation you. of your mother, you know, as, you. as I am of my father. Thank you. Know you. I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So uh, we always do a piece about, you know, a show-and-tell piece, and I always ask my guests if they have something of sentimental value, if they'd be able to, you know, bring it on the show and share a story. So were you able to bring, you know, anything with you? Yes. Okay. Actually, so I brought two things with me. I brought two okay. gifts, um, two sentimental values, and the first one, I have is um, this little Buddha, and it's, take it up to the camera. Let yeah, me it, it's it a little Buddha. It's it's made out of tiger's eye stone. It's the it's the lucky little. Am I, am I getting it? Am yeah, I, this this little guy. I don't know if you can see his colors, but um, I actually got him in a market um, when I lived in Spain, and I sent it in a care package to my mom. And she loved it because she used to read like all of these little like these Chinese books. One of her favorite authors was Chinese, so um, 
So I got her this, and it was on her vanity, and she always had it, and she always looked at it. So this is one of the sentimental See, values. your mom's here right yes, now. That's a representation of your so mother true. right yep. there. Yes. My second one, hold on, i got to take a sip of water here. <laughs> Real everyday people, y'all. Yeah. Um, so the second one I got is my... This Santa Biblia, um, and it's from my father, and he gave it to me, and he um, he wrote a beautiful inscription, which I won't I won't read it to you because it's it's a little personal. But he he um, he underlined this part right here, which says, "Yo estoy contigo y te guardaré." Por donde quiera que fueras, y volveré a traer a esta tierra, porque no te dejaré hasta que haya hecho lo que te he dicho. Um, basically, just that I'll always be with you. Um, he gave this to me before some travels, and he was like, take it with you, you're going to need it. And I don't necessarily read the Bible every day, but I just was like so touched that like, you know, this is like truly a piece of him because I know that he loves the Bible and he loves prayer. And I think I, I like get my faith in God through my father, but that I developed later in life. So this is, this is my tough. other piece. This is mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know, you're the second person to bring a Bible up here. You know hey. what I'm saying? And I think it's good. It's a guidebook. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty powerful. You know, yeah, prayer, prayer is definitely powerful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Prayer so, you know, powerful. we always close our shows out with letting our guests sign, you know, the Wall of Fame. So we we definitely going to put her put her uh, signature on the wall, you know, let her know that they, cool. let everybody know she was here. Right. Represent. This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.